am thrilled to introduce this next uh, sermon series. At the be- end of a year, people contemplate and consider what, they, what their year was like and what they want their next year to look like. And uh, what we're doing because of that is we're taking a four-week sermon series um, on what it is to be a healthy Christ follower and what that looks like. Um, it's a very topical series in which we're going to look at being healthy and, and what, what that is from a Christian perspective and a holistic health perspective. Typically, churches spend their time, rightfully so, considering biblical passages and looking at uh, what the Bible's saying and, and how that pertains to life. And, uh, and, and we as well are, are incorporating the Bible. But sometimes what happens in our Western expression of church is we end up segregating and saying church is for the spiritual life and you get to figure out the other parts of your life at other places that aren't church. So what we're covering here in the next sermon series is we're covering what it is to have a healthy mind, a healthy body, um, healthy finances, and healthy, um, and healthy eating, healthy nutrition. And I've asked people who, who have studied these different things, who have made it their life focus, um, to come and, and speak about these topics. Um, I recognize that there are lots of people that, that can be talking about these things. Um, and, uh, and so there are people who this is what they do. This is, this is their focus and their study. Today we're looking at what it is to have a healthy mind and, and how that works from a Christian perspective, from a church perspective, from life perspective. Jesus said that, that we are to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. These are all parts that we need to keep healthy and strong. And, uh, and so I'm super excited about this because it's, it's really good. The verse that's going to govern this is really, really a, a simple verse from the book of Third John. And it says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And my prayer for us as a church is that it will go well with us and that we are in good health and that it goes well with our soul. That's my prayer for this church, for our, for our people, and, uh, and, and so that's really, really important. Um, Devin, next one. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 6, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest on this verse for a moment before I call the person who's going to give us some, some uh, other thoughts on it. I'm going to rest on this verse. Um, It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to realize how many times the word comfort is used in this. This is really interesting. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort, too. 
If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when, we, when you patiently endure the sufferings that we suffer. What Paul's getting at here is he says life is real. There are sufferings and there are challenges and there are hard times that every single one of us face. There's stuff that goes on in our life that's really challenging. And for some of us, that has to do with, with our own mental health. For almost all of us in this room, I will guarantee know somebody who struggle with mental health issues. And, and now Paul is talking about the, the discomfort or the sufferings that are happening in the external world around him and his context. And, and the Corinthian church is starting to feel the pressures of what it is to be a church. And they're starting to feel discomfort in following Christ. They're starting to feel like this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. This is challenging. And so it's very important that we recognize that, that you know, that they are in a hard time. But evil and the wrong in the world expresses itself differently in different times and places. And, and the wrong in the world at that time was there, was there was a lot of persecution against the church. But the wrong in the world right now, one of the greatest wrongs in the world right now in our culture is, is this consistent bombardment of anxiety, depression, and all of these other mental health symptoms that are happening inside the church and outside of the church. These things are real and they are taking people's lives and they are, they are degrading people's quality of life. And so I have invited uh, my wife Valerie to come and speak to us today about mental health and about, um, about the importance of being healthy, getting healthy, and, uh, and staying healthy, and also helping other people through. So why don't I invite my wife? It's partly because I'm biased and she's amazing, but it's also because she has spent the past 10 years working uh, at New Path, which is a uh, children's mental health facility in... <laughs> no, I was checking to make sure I was right. There it is, Children's Mental Health Agency. Um, and uh, and she, has, she has dealt with all kinds of mental health from anxiety, depression, through to, um, through to rehabilitation of sexual offenders and, and trauma and pretty much anything that, that people experience, she ends up dealing with um, on a daily basis. This is what she does for her, for her job. And when we were talking about it, she was like, there's stuff that, that, that can be brought to Congregation at Promise that says this is helpful. This might be a tool. Now, the way it's going to happen is, is Valerie's going to, to talk today. And we want to encourage people to give us feedback and questions. Um, what's going to The way it works is on your today's message tab that's on your tablet, you're able to hit that and you can scroll down and there's a ask questions or make comments about it and we get those in real time. Those will actually come to us. Today we're not going to be answering the questions. We're going to wait till four weeks from now um, where we're going to have a forum Sunday where we're going to have every one of the experts that come to talk about different things. They're going to be sitting on a panel and we're going to have all the questions that you've asked during these times, and we're going to direct them to the four experts, and they're going to be able to take your questions on that date. So you're going to have to come back for that date. Very, very important. And, uh, and that's going to be an amazing Sunday as well, where we're just going to get the questions of Promise Church and, and what that looks like. So 
want to introduce to you Valerie. She's amazing. She did her studies at um, both McMaster and Tyndale Seminary. And uh, have fun. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I am typically used to working with one person in the room with me or maybe a family, uh, not this big of a crowd and uh, not with a microphone. So please bear with me. Uh, my husband's much more uh, comfortable with speaking into a microphone and to a large crowd than I am. So um, I will try my best. <clears throat> so I'm going to read to you a story that I uh, often would use with clients or with families and I want you to uh, just take some time as I read it to reflect on it and uh, see if you fit as one of the characters in the story. Once upon a time, way out in the country, there lived a handsome knight. This knight lived in a big, rambling, one-story castle with many rooms. <clears throat> there were tailored gardens around the house, and the sky always seemed to be blue. The weather perfect, and the grass green. There was no TV in this castle, and no newspapers or magazines. Because of that, the knight was unaware of the world around him. He only knew that he was happy in his castle as he looked out the windows and watched the world go by. His life was fairly routine. Occasionally, someone would come and visit, but most days he did the same thing, not realizing how big the world was out there. Things to explore, horses to ride, people to meet. Beneath the castle, there was a large basement. The doors to this basement were heavily bolted with many locks. The knight couldn't remember ever having gone down into the basement. Actually, he seldom thought of it at all. Somewhere in the back of his mind, he remembered being afraid of the dark and being scared of the basement when he was a child. But those years were long past, and he had other things to think about besides locked, the locked basement. One day, the state inspector came to the house and knocked on the door to talk to the knight. It is my job to inspect basements, he said. I must have a look to make sure yours is safe and in order. I'm sorry, the knight said. The basement has been locked for many years, and I have no idea where the keys are. The inspector insisted that he find a way to open the door to the basement, saying he would return later for the inspection. As soon as the inspector was gone, the knight promptly put out of his mind and sat down at the window to stare at the sky and the clouds, talking quietly to himself. Before long, a curl of smoke came out from under the basement door. At first, the knight tried to ignore the smoke, since he couldn't see the fire and pretended not to smell it. He told himself there probably wasn't a fire there at all. Pretty soon, mice began to scurry around the kitchen, attempting to escape the smell of the smoke. One mouse in particular looked in astonishment at the knight, who pretended not to smell or see the smoke which was beginning to bellow from the cracks around the basement door. Finally, the mouse could stand it no longer. He yelled at the, at the knight, Why are you just sitting there? Go find out what's wrong. The knight looked down at the mouse as if in a fog and saying, Maybe if I ignore it, the smoke will go away. The mouse couldn't believe his ears. If you ignore the smoke, it will burn up your whole house with you in it. The knight acted like he didn't hear the words of the mouse. But the little animal got louder and more urgent in his pleading. 
Finally, the knight looked through the smoke of the mouse and said, but I don't know how to get into the basement. There are no keys. They've been lost for years. Then find a way, shouted the mouse. Knock a door down, take the door off its hinges, chop off a lock, find a way into that basement. Just then, something stirred inside the night. He really didn't want to lose his castle. It was such a nice place to live, comfortable with his own belongings and surrounded by the sounds of nature outside. Suddenly, he understood the urgency to find the source of the, of the smoke and ran to get a crowbar. Racing back to the basement door through the smoke, he pried the door off its hinges. The mouse had rolled a fire extinguisher down the stairs to help him. And picking it up, the knight walked into the dark, gloomy basement. He was afraid, but determined to find the fire that was causing the smoke and to put it out. Because the basement had been unopened for so many years, it was musty. Rats ran across the floor, and spiderwebs hung from the rafters. Determinedly, the knight searched for the source of the smoke, and at last found the fire, by now beginning in intensity. It was the kind of fire that, if not watched carefully, would quickly be out of control. Taking careful aim, the knight aimed the fire extinguisher and sprayed and sprayed until all the fire was put out. It smoked for a time after the flames were gone, but before long, every last bit of smoke was cleared from the air and the house was safe. After the fire was safely out, the knight began to look around the basement. Although it looked dusty and dirty and had a bit of smoke damaged, he realized it had great possibilities. When the inspector returned the following day, the knight asked him for advice and support as he, had to, uh, as he set about cleaning out and remodeling the basement. The inspector was glad to give it, and so, under his guidance, the knight soon had a ba the basement transformed into a warm room filled with lights and music. Because he wanted only the best furnishings and accessories for the room, the knight gained the courage to go out into the world and search for them. Soon he was exploring nearby towns, villages, and the other side of the hill that, ha that he had seen out his window. He was amazed that there was so much in the world out there that he had not known or even wondered about. With each passing day, he became more adventurous, more curious, and more full of life. And it was no surprise to the mouse that in almost no time at all, the knight's home became a gathering place for the whole community, echoing with laughter, music, and the sound of friendship and from its newly furnished basement. So when you hear that story, is there a character you connect with? Maybe you're the inspector or the mouse supporting a friend through a difficult experience. Maybe you're the knight himself trying to ignore the things that are not working just right in your, in your kingdom. Or maybe you don't even know who you are. Maybe you aren't even aware. Has the smoke started to come through your cracks? Perhaps the sparks are just igniting. Or maybe your castle is being consumed. Well, you're not alone. Your community, this church, this town is filled with castles and locked basements. Today, I would like to talk to you about how we can unlock our basement for 2019. 
Certain situations might have you feeling the crushing pressure, or perhaps you are bothered or tormented by racing thoughts, bouncing ideas. My clients like to call them monkey thoughts as they seem to bounce from tree to tree, never settling. Maybe your mood is getting you down, making you feel anxious, depressed, or overwhelmed. Maybe your actions or behaviors are causing problems at home, work, or school. Or possibly, despite your best efforts, your body isn't cooperating. Physical symptoms are cropping up unexplained. But chances are you aren't experiencing just one of these problems. They don't function in isolation. Can I wager a guess that someone is facing a situation so difficult that it's causing self-demeaning thoughts? The mood is depressed. Your behavior is unmotivated. It's hard to engage in life, and physically, your sleep is disturbed, and you just can't get enough. Maybe you're not, right, not, not, you're not experiencing it right now. Maybe you were six months ago, or maybe you'll be experiencing it in six months from now. Someone else may be facing a situation so overwhelming it's causing racing thoughts. The mood is anxious. Your behavior is avoidance. Physically, you have stomach aches and headaches, further entrenching you in the avoidance behavior. In the next few minutes, I'm going to introduce to you a perspective for looking at emotionally troubling experience or guiding a friend through overcoming difficulties. Situations, thoughts, moods, feelings, and physical reactions and behaviors are connected. They are distinct but they are interrelated. Let's take a few moments to talk about which areas we have control and some ideas on how to target change in each category, thereby creating change in other parts of the diamond. First, let me start in the one place that we do not have distinct power to influence the place where we most often try to target as the item of this diamond that we mu expect must change. It's not that it can't change at all, but targeting it itself is not going to, is going to result more in frustration. And this is situation, the top part of our diamond. So the situation, also called the trigger, as it sets the cycle in motion, happens to us. Perhaps a family member has said something hurtful. A coworker is not carrying their weight. A subject at school is very challenging or traumatic memories or flashbacks constantly intruding. It is not so much that we can change the situation itself. We don't have that power over other people and circumstances. At best, our we can change our perspective on the situation if we have any influence on the situation at all. As we go through the whole diamond, you'll see that they're related together and, they w and that is how we're going to change our perspective on the, d on the situation. Stop focusing your efforts to change the circumstances around us. Sure, we can ha have some hope that having a conversation with a coworker will entice them to step up, but in reality, there's just going to be another situation moments later ready to re-engage this cycle. There's not a lot of huge changes here. 
Again, we're not having the power to put the change in the situation, but as you'll see in the coming moments, we have a power to change our perspective on the situation. The next part of the cycle is our thoughts. It's in our thoughts that we have the first chance to change our perspective on the situation at hand. Our ability to face the situation or the power the situation will have on us. Are you engaging in automatic negative thoughts? Things like, I will never win. I can't do this. Things must be going terribly wrong. These are called automatic negative thoughts. And they're the ones that tend to jump into our heads first when something is not going well. On the handout, I've provided you with a list of common cognitive distortions, also called thinking errors. This is not an exhaustive list, but a starting point for challenging automatic negative thoughts or these thinking errors. Instead of, instead of personalizing down at the bottom right of your handout, we didn't we didn't get that contract at work and it's all my fault. Ask yourself, is it really all my fault? Perhaps many of us contributed to the situation or maybe the loss of the contract really has nothing to do with me at all. We need to challenge our negative thoughts. Instead of catastrophizing, <clears throat> Ahem, Rob, are you listening? and thinking, my wife isn't home yet, she must be dead on the side of the road. Challenge the thought. You, didn't need to you don't need to come up with a pithy, positive statement, like everything must be peachy, I'm sure she's just fine, but more of a balanced thought, like I wonder why she is late, perhaps she lost track of time. Balanced thoughts. The next part of the diamond is the moods or feelings. Here is often where we are most desperate to find change. So things like sadness, anxiety, anger are some of the mo most overwhelming feelings that become debilitating to us. Start by rating the feeling as a scale or percentage. Instead of looking at the mood, sadness, anxiety, fear, anger, as dichotomous, either on or off, see it as a continuum. Scale it in one to 10 or percentage. For children, you could do a smaller one to five where you're at. But what we're trying to do is take it away from the idea of it being one on or off. Instead of the depression needs to be gone, Ask yourself, what will move my anger, anxiety, sadness from a 7 to a 6? From a 90% to an 80%. We're not looking for a whole change overnight. We're looking for small incremental steps along the way. The next part of the diamond is behaviors. Often our behaviors, when we are mentally unwell, cause our problems to become bigger. We gain momentary relief by snapping at our spouse, avoiding the trigger environment, or being passive aggressive with our boss. 
but we cannot justify these behaviors. No more, well, she just pissed me off, so I, so it's not my fault. I get it. When you're depressed, you don't intend to stay in bed all day. It's just so hard to get out. I'm not asking you to get out of bed for the whole day and, and take on the whole world. I'm asking you to get out of bed for a few minutes. Aim for a 10-minute increase in the time you spend up and active. For those who are feeling overwhelmed with anger, set yourself a goal of avoiding yelling on at least one occasion a day. Anxious? Face your fears for a small period of time or maybe alongside a trusted friend. Gradually, over time, you up the expectation of yourself through small incremental steps. At first, it might feel fake. I get it, that's okay. Remember, when you're changing your behaviors, you're influencing the entire diamond. As the rest of the diamond changes, you will find the behaviors start to feel more realistic. So sometimes it's just about going through those motions and getting out of bed for 10 minutes. I had one client who we did yoga to get herself up out of bed. She continued to do some yoga in her bedroom for a little bit longer and then she went back to bed and that was it to start us off. And gradually we were able to move that into something more involved and get her out the door into school. Physical reactions. So physical reactions are, are, is what our body does without us telling it to do. Fast heartbeat, crying, headaches, adrenaline rush, etc. We can take action to reverse what our body is doing. Go for a walk, take some be- deep breaths, engage in a sport, have a bath. Things to reverse the effects these are having. Burn up some of that adrenaline that your body's pumping into your body by going for a run. One of the current buzzwords in my line of work is the word mindfulness. And although the title for this set of activities has changed over the decades, Christians have been engaging in these practices since biblical times. Some of the spiritual disciplines that we practice here at Promise Church each week fall into what is currently being called mindfulness. Improving our likelihood for mental health. Pray. Read your Bible. Meditate. Not to empty your mind, but to engage in dwelling on those more balanced thoughts that we came up with earlier. If you Google the word mindfulness, you will find an endless list of different ideas you can engage in to calm your body, both for adults and kids. Find the one that works for you. To end, I would like to read a passage from The Message, a really great interpretation of the Bible that lends itself well to guided meditation. As I read the passage, don't analyze for theological, intellectual thought on this occasion. Instead, allow yourself to enter the story. Envision yourself in the setting. Take time to look around and imagine the sights, sounds, and smells. Now, if you feel safe to do so, please close your eyes.
As soon as they finished the meal, he insisted the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, Jesus climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, Faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus, saying, This is it. You are God's son for sure. On return, they beached the boat in Gisenerat, when the people got wind that he was back, they sent out word through the neighborhood and rounded up all the sick who, a- who asked for permission to touch the edge of his coat, and whoever touched him was healed. Thank you. So small changes make big differences in different areas of our mental health. And thank you for bringing that to our attention. Thank you for uh, this pyramid or this diamond because what we can do with it is we, if, we, if we take it home, we can have it as a resource for times that we may be going through challenging mental health or, uh, or somebody else is. And you can actually refer back to this. Um, and, uh, and, and take a look at it and say, what are the small changes that you can, that you can do? So I really appreciate that. It is so important that, that God has guiding, is guiding us. And thank you, Val, for talking about the, the mindfulness of prayer, meditation, and Bible, because these are areas where, where God has already placed in systems in, in our life, where we're able to, uh, to take, um, to take steps to bring ourselves to being healthy.